Few ideas about learning are as well known as the 10,000 hour rule. This is the notion, popularized by Malcolm Gladwell in his 2004 bestseller, Outliers, that it takes roughly that long to master a skill. The basis for Gladwell's rule was Anders Ericsson's 1993 paper arguing that large quantities of deliberate practice could explain world-class skill levels. Before that, psychologist John Hayes had similarly studied elite composers, artists, and poets and found that roughly 10 years were necessary to produce master-level works. But, like many popularizations of academic research, the public understanding of the rule is at odds with the actual research used to generate it. What the rule gets wrong about the research. The most common misunderstanding of the 10,000 hour rule was the assumption that simply time spent using the skill was ultimately what mattered. This is clearly absurd. Very few musicians, artists, athletes, or chess players perform at world-class levels. Yet pretty much anyone who performs a skill for their full-time job would accumulate 10,000 hours of sustained use eventually. The rarity of world-class performance implies that just doing something a lot cannot be sufficient. Erickson's answer was that it wasn't just practice, but deliberate practice that was the key. That meant strenuous practice under the helpful eye of an experienced coach. Just playing the music wasn't enough. It was necessary to practice the hard sections repeatedly with a skilled coach offering guidance on exactly what to pay attention to in order to improve. This is not a subtle distinction. A common view of skill development is that extensive practice assists learning by making the mental actions increasingly automatic. Thus, you learn to read by first painstakingly recognizing the letters, then recognizing them easily, until finally you're not even aware you're recognizing the letters at all. You simply read the text. But automaticity can also be a curse. When something is completely fluent, you aren't able to consciously monitor the skill and make necessary adjustments. Deliberate practice is an effortful activity designed to bring elements of the skill back under deliberate control to override automatic habits. But is the underlying research even true? The research argued deliberate practice, not just doing something a lot, was what counted toward the 10,000 hours. But is that even true? Erickson's research has faced at least two lines of critique over the years since it has become popular. The first was Erickson's emphasis on practice over talent. In his view, if large quantities of effortful practice could explain world-class performance, why do we need the residual concept of talent? But other psychologists disagreed, arguing that learning rates often differ between individuals in ways that can't simply be explained by practice alone. I think the safest interpretation of the research to date is that natural ability and deliberate practice interact. Nobody becomes world class without practice, but even ideal coaching and practice conditions will not result in everyone learning at an identical rate. Since world-class performance is at the extreme end of a distribution, the result is that most exceptional people are both extremely talented and extremely hardworking. Those who are merely one or the other don't make the cut. As a practical matter, this is mostly an issue for elite levels of skills. For skills you want to be decent at, I think practice tends to matter more simply because it's easier to compensate for a lack of talent by working harder. But if everyone is working their hardest, as we would expect in the elite of a field, then hard work necessarily plays a smaller role in accounting for the differences. Another critique argues that the quantity of practice doesn't actually count for much of the variance in elite performance across fields. This survey finds that practice volume only explains a paltry 18% of the variance in chess performance, 23% in music, and a dismal 1% in professional attainment. Erickson has mounted a counterargument to both of these attacks. Now, my understanding of his position on talent was mostly that there are few abilities that are not modifiable through sufficient practice, rather than arguing everyone will learn equally fast. He also wrote a rebuttal to the finding that deliberate practice doesn't explain much by arguing that the studies reviewed mixed together deliberate practice and just time spent using a skill. 
Now, it's also possible that the low correlation of practice and professional achievement is just that most professionals don't do that much practice, which means that there is a great opportunity if you do. Now, my own view is that deliberate practice is a useful hypothesis, and it's certainly helpful for approaching skill development, but that both innate ability and factors outside of practice likely also play a role. Reality is complicated, go figure. A deeper, common-sense critique of 10,000 hours being necessary for mastery. But to me, all of this is besides the point. The 10,000 hour rule cannot be a rule of learning simply because it describes a social phenomenon and not a cognitive one. Let me explain. What makes someone a world-class performer in a field isn't an objective level of skill, but their ranking in a skill compared to other practitioners. Being an elite chess player isn't based on some objective measure of chess ability, but an implicit comparison to all the other chess players. Erickson himself cites evidence that musicians have gotten better over the centuries as instruction has begun earlier and more successful teaching and practice approaches have developed. He cites songs that were considered unplayable by their composers, but which have since been performed by increasingly adroit performers. Similarly, advances in human performance can be seen across many fields, from athletics to chess to video games. Since objective levels of ability have risen over time, the bar for what constitutes elite performance is continuously going up. But since world-class performance is a social phenomenon, then the quantity of practice or talent needed to achieve it depends entirely on how much other people invest in the skill. The more competitive a field, all else being equal, should require more time to master simply because there are more people who have invested large quantities of deliberate practice time. So consider two different fields, one with 100 performers and one with 100,000 performers. Suppose as well that practice time in the field follows some kind of regular distribution and that practice is the only variable explaining attainment. To be the top 10% for the first field will necessarily require a lot less practice than to be in the top 10% for the second simply because the latter is a much more rarefied group. Of course, practice probably isn't the only variable for attainment, and some fields encourage people to devote their entire lives to pursuing excellence, whereas others aren't highly valued in our society, so outside of a few obsessive nerds, nobody invests much time getting really good at them. Thus, the real formula for world-class talent would need to consider how many people practice in the field, the distribution of deliberate practice quantity by people in the field, so some fields may inspire more devotion than others, the cutoff for being considered world-class or elite in performance, and the relative contribution of practice and other variables such as chance, talent, favoritism, etc. For skills where there are consistent returns to practice, large quantities of practitioners who generally practice a lot and a high bar for being considered world-class, the amount of practice needed to achieve mastery would probably be a lot more than 10,000 hours. In contrast, skills that were mostly talent or luck, few practitioners or little devotion to practice, or modest thresholds for being considered successful, the amount of practice needed might be quite modest to reach elite levels. So to sum up, the 10,000 hour rule only applied to deliberate practice, not just using the skill a lot. Talent probably matters, even if practice does too. The amount of variance explained by practice in different fields is variable, but it's certainly not 100% and elite and world-class are social comparisons, thus reaching them implicitly requires you to do more than your competitors. Fields with fewer performers, less devotion, or lower returns to continued practice will see elite performers with less training. I've long been a fan of the research the 10,000 hour rule was built upon, but I'm skeptical that the rule itself provides much practical value in the pursuit of mastery itself. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get five of my audiobooks for free, just go to scotthyoung.com slash podcast.